If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by just one of the boys today, Kyle Lynch. And today, Kyle, we're talking about a disappointment. And it really, it stings, it stings that we're talking about this game in the manner that we are going to be talking about this game. Because we're reviewing the new Lords of the Fallen, a essentially... I guess you'd consider it a reboot. I believe the first one came out in 2014. Uh, didn't exactly review amazingly. It, it had several flaws, but interesting enough, uh, no. So this is the first game in that with that name. Funny enough, I think the first Lords of the Fallen was actually the first non-FromSoft Souls-like. I believe, I believe that was like the first, like there's obviously like smaller ones that have come out that are more like indie devs that kind of use a little bit of that, a little bit of the Souls DNA, but not like this 100%. But I, I want to say that the first Lords of the Fallen was, uh, was the first major, major, like big budget, non-FromSoft Souls-like. So didn't do great then. Kyle, leading up to the release of the new one a couple weeks ago, I think that you and I both had very high hopes for it. All the trailers looked good. The gameplay looked like it was going to be really good. The atmosphere and art style was there. And while there's a lot for us to critique, I think that some of those things lived up to what we thought. I think the art style is really, really good. And I think that the atmosphere of the game as well, Kyle, is one of those things that like you feel like you are in a world that has fallen apart, that is close to falling into chaos... And I feel like that and the level design, I feel like this game nails both of those. Absolutely. Uh, One of my favorite things about this game is the mechanic where you go between worlds, where you kind of shift between like a spirit world and the real world. It's a mechanic that is not necessarily new to gaming, but it's not one that you see a lot of. The most, you know, famous one that I can think of is obviously uh, Link to the Past, where in, you know, the Zelda game, you got to shift between, you know, the mirror world and the real world. I think that that concept is really cool. I think that there's not a lot of games that do that, honestly, but this game was, you know, I, I think a little bit uh, trying to think, overwhelming at first with the way that they used the mechanic because it was almost suddenly that, I mean, you're going in and you don't spend a lot of time in the real world before they're like, all right, so by the way, you can, you know, phase shift pretty much whenever you want. And, you know, it, it felt a little bit overwhelming at first, but I feel like we got it down. Um after we played around with it a bit, after I died there and got stuck <laughs> for 10 minutes in the beginning area because my dumbass didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to be in uh, Umbral, which is what they call uh, essentially like the spirit world in here. There's, what is it, Axiom for the real world? Ax- 
Axiom is the realm of the living, and Umbral is the realm of the dead. Yes. Yeah. So I uh, was in Umbral because during the beginning part of the game, you're told about you know the mechanic, and it's like you can do this. And there's this statue that you can use that takes you out of Umbral, but for some reason, I thought because the statue was there and I was in Axiom in the living world, um, your lamp will react when there's a statue, but you can't see it till you pull your lantern out. And so I was like, oh, I'm supposed to go into Umbral here. And then I got stuck not realizing that I wasn't supposed to. That statue was actually just there for me to come out of Umbral. Because when you're in Umbral, there was a barrier that was blocking the path to progression. And I felt really stupid when Rusty opted in the uh, in the party and hit that screen share. And he was like, hey, man, uh, you got to go out of Umbral. It is just right over that hill. Yeah, well, you know, to be fair to you, I think a lot of times in games like this, like... You don't really, you're not really able to go up hills very often. That's like, true. Hills like that, normally, it feels like you're not really meant to climb them. So I can't exactly clown you for that too much, um, because it also kind of blended in with the environment. At least I thought it did. Yeah, that's uh, true. And I'm with you. That I think the first things that I have to say is when you told me that an older Zelda game tried this mechanic out with the limited technology that existed at the time. Oh my God, that is impressive. Like, that's impressive that an older game with significantly lesser technology could somehow pull that off. And again, you mentioned it. It's not necessarily the newest mechanic in the world, but it's very, very interesting. And I feel like in some parts, it works very well. I love that in levels, there are whole bits of progression that you can only get to in Umbral. And now, obviously, how the mechanic works, because this was a major part of the marketing is if you die in Axiom, you then resurrect in Umbral, and you have a chance to either escape through one of two means. You can either get to a vestige, which is basically this game's bonfire, or you can find a statue, as you pointed out, Kyle, that allows you to emerge from Umbral, and if you make it back to Axiom, you then get your life back, so that way if you die, you'll re-resurrect in Umbral again. And it's, it's one of those, it's an interesting way of, it's not just, you know, live, die, repeat. It's you know, you can you can die multiple times before you end up dying, period, and dropping um, your souls that you've dropped. Right. Or your vigor, I guess, is what this game... It's hard with this and Liza P and, and Woe Long earlier in the year. Every one of them had a different name for souls, and it's very, very hard to keep all of it in mind. Um, but I like that, and I like the execution of it at times. Now... There's no easy way to go about the rest of this episode. Because we were excited for this game. Especially with how excellent Lies of P was. We said, man, if we get two great Souls likes in the course of a month, from you know the end of September to the end of October, if we get two great Souls likes, that is awesome. That means that this genre is growing beyond just FromSoft. And that's awesome, because I love this genre. It's one of my favorite genres, despite how angry it makes me. But this game, for the art style, which is awesome, like, the art team and, like, the design team did awesome. Like, again, I love so much about this game's art style. It feels very traditional Souls. When you look at the Dark Souls games, you look at Elden Ring, it feels very, very similar to those in the art style, and it feels like they understood from software in that department. 
And it's the same thing to an extent with the early game level design and some of the mid game level design. I think that there are some levels that I'm like, I don't, I don't love how they were designed. We'll dive more in depth when we get to them. But Kyle, I feel like the first place to start. And unfortunately, if you are a big souls like fan, you're probably tired of hearing this criticism about souls likes, but unfortunately in this game, it's true. It's the low hanging fruit. Kyle, as good as the art style is, this game is not pretty to look at. And it's really, really bad at times. Yeah. Oh, man. The game has a great art style, like you said, but the graphics do not portray that of a current-gen, next-gen title. It is a PS5 Xbox Series exclusive, and when I hear that, I think, okay, I'm going to get a game that looks and feels next-gen. DualSense functions, it's gonna, you know, run 60 FPS, the graphics are going to, you know, quality of the texture should be up to par with those of other next-gen titles when it's being a next-gen release, and they just weren't. I think that, you know, when... And, and it's hard, because we, we just came from playing Spider-Man 2, but, I mean, Insomniac really utilizes the hardware of the PS5. When I hear that an Insomniac game is going to be a next-gen exclusive, I know, okay, I'm, I'm in for an experience. And I would like to see everybody who is making games that, you know, are this big, utilizing that next-gen hardware, utilizing the graphical capability of an Xbox Series X, a PS5, because, man, this game is ugly. <laughs> In frame rate especially. Like, the art style is great, but the graphics are PS4 at best, and... The frame rate drops so much, especially during co-op, which is a big reason that we were excited about this game, was in Lies of P, you didn't get to play co-op, and I think that that was a smart design choice, it worked well for that game. In this game, we do get to play co-op, except there's almost no hit detection from your partner, so I had Rusty come into my game, and not only was it just constantly tearing frames it was it wasn't letting him hit the enemies like at all he would he would attack them and they they would not only just you know stand there it would take 3 to 4 you know seconds 5 seconds for it to register that he even swung at him let alone they've already hit him out of his combo yeah uh, a couple of hits is a matter of life and death in these games, and when you have online multiplayer, that shit has to be precise. You cannot be lagging by any means. It's it's just unplayable co-op. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the biggest letdowns. That really is one of the biggest letdowns, just because, again, we were so excited for that, and that was one thing that you know we looked forward to, just because, again, you mentioned it, we couldn't do that in Lies of P, so we were looking forward to doing that here. And you know, because co-op ultimately is a big, big part of these games. Most of them, it's a massive part of the games. That's, you know, summoning co-ops, obviously you open yourself up to invasion, but playing these games with friends really makes them more accessible. I think about Elden Ring. Elden Ring, imagine if you couldn't co-op in that game. A game is massive. 
But the fact that for real, like it would take two to three seconds for my hit to register. By the time it registers, I'm being smacked out of a combo and I've probably taken two to three hits because of that. And that's really not good. There's no way, if you love Souls likes and you're tired of hearing people say, well, the game doesn't run well, doesn't look good. If you're tired of hearing that, then I think that maybe just maybe you're being a little defensive and you need to recognize that, hey, the devs didn't do a great job on the optimization because it's like this really with every version that I've seen of the game. The PC version's very similar, and Kyle, we've seen several times that PC optimization, it is, it is in a bad, bad place in gaming right now. It's why console gaming is superior to PC right now, because optimization for PC gaming is just not in a good spot. Facts. But the series version is not much better. We played the PS5 version. It's not great. So it's one of those where, I don't know, like it just feels like this game, it came out somewhat half-baked in that department. But it had been in development for quite a while. This isn't a game that was just in development for like a year. This game, they've been working on this for several years now. So the performance is bad. The multiplayer is not good. Although I will give them one shred of credit. I like that when you die as a co-op member in your friend's game, your friend doesn't have to re-summon you. They can go back to a vestige. They can, you know, and revive you that way. They can revive you in combat once you've cleared the area out. And I like that. That's a quality of life thing where I'm like, you know, I hope From Software sees that and I hope they take note of that. Because that would be very, very nice to have that in actual FromSoft games. The other, so I kind of hinted at the level design. And it's hard because some of the levels I'm like, this is awesome. Like one early on that I really liked that we spent a lot of time with, I really liked Pilgrim's Perch. I really liked that level. Um, it didn't exactly make sense to me how uh, you go through kind of the opening outside of the Skyrest Bridge. You get to Skyrest, your hub, early on. You go through that level that's right outside it. Um, and then you get to Pilgrim's Perch, and it goes from, like, sunny to raining, and there's, like, no transition. And it doesn't feel like you're in a different part of the world because you've not really gone that far away from where you were before. And it's just kind of weird that there's no transition from sunny to rainy weather. And it just it breaks up the flow of that. The area on the way to Pilgrim's Parts, I absolutely hated because the entire challenge of the area is there's a ton of enemies that their sole purpose for existing is knocking you off of the ledge. That's why it's called Lords of the Fallen, because you'd be falling off these cliffs. <laughs> um, True. That, that's that's a hundred percent why. Like that's a great joke that I just came up with. I'm sure that somebody else has said that. I can't take <laughs> full credit. But like, that's, that's kind of my big thing there is, like, I've not, and we said it in Lies of P, if you've listened to that episode by now, and it's, I don't love when the entire difficulty of an area is based around one of two things, status effects or environmental hazards. I'm not a fan of that. If that's the entire difficulty of an area, then you suck at designing areas. And that's, I, I feel like designing an area that is, like, Kyle, why do these games insist on having platforming? Yeah, these are not platforming games. They are like, they are not. What's the point? Dude, it, it pissed me off a lot in Lies of P. It was bad in Lies of P. Like, the platforming in Lies of P was not fun. Dude, it was worse here. Y'all way early, worse it here. It was worse here. And, like, dude, you're having to make precision jumps, and it's like you ju- land from a jump, and then you roll forward like an additional 10 feet. Yeah, that, dude... The amount of times that that had almost killed me because 
the the roll would land me right at the very edge, like those um those swinging platforms that we were having to jump on. Man, yes. I was lucky I didn't roll off of one. But then I would just jump onto another platform, and an enemy would just hit me off, anyways. So yeah, like, <laughs> it's annoying, dude. It's annoying as all hell. It's like, listen, I get it that you know there's always going to be parts of levels that are like that. But man, there is no point to make platforming an essential part of a level. Facts. The other thing is, and this is a, a really big critique that I had because I think that this just this kills early players early on. I think this game throws way too much at the player way too quickly. Yes. Like, I think that, and I think that in terms of different game mechanics they introduce, I think that in the number of sheer enemies they throw at you early on, I think it in several things, all I could think was, man, I just, I really feel kind of overwhelmed. Like I've not been eased into the game. Like the, the first boss that you fight that's got a boss health bar is a very, very easy boss. It's a pushover. Now, it's obviously, it's followed up with a uh, a boss that uh, is meant to kill you. And I think yeah. you can kill, I think you can kill the Reaper. I think you can, but obviously neither of us did. Um, we're not good enough at these games to do that. Uh but really from there on out, like it just throws what feels like dozens and dozens of enemies at you at one time, along with the fact that it just throws so many mechanics like Umbral. The, the, the Umbral Axiom mechanic is great, and I love it in theory. My problem is I feel like at a certain point the game is expecting you to walk around while holding your lamp, your lamp out for Umbral. And the issue with that is, and I don't love this, if an enemy hits you, in Umbral, they will teleport you to Umbral. Like, if you got your lamp out and you see an enemy in Umbral and they hit you while you're in Axiom, it will teleport you to Umbral. And I'm not a fan of that. I think that punishes the player for being inquisitive and for actually looking, and I don't like that. These games are punishing enough normally, and it just feels like that's just an unnecessary addition when it comes to punishing the player. So, I think that they would have been better off maybe easing the player into a lot of these mechanics instead of just throwing all of them at you at once. And I don't know, like there's just the best way I've heard it described is that lies of P was a fun game to play. Even in the most frustrating of moments, I don't think I had fun a single moment. I played this game and it wasn't because of one thing or another. It was because of a mix of every one of its issues. And that's frustrating. I absolutely agree with everything. The The main thing, like like I was trying to say earlier, it throws a lot at you in the beginning, especially with you going between, you know, Umbral and Axiom. I absolutely love the mechanic. I don't think I love the way that it was used in here. I think that I would like to see another Souls-like try this mechanic, or maybe a, a, if they do a sequel polish it really well, make it look like a next-gen title, and maybe have certain areas where it's like, okay, everywhere in this area is is Umbral, but I don't think have the entire game also have an Umbral part, because, like, that's a bit much, and it's like, you, you know, if you don't run through this entire game in Axiom and Umbral, you're gonna miss shit, and it's like, I want just certain levels or certain areas that's like, hey, you can also go into Umbral here, because there's things to explore, but like Rusty said, if you're not constantly holding out your lamp, 
I feel like I'm, I'm always missing stuff. There was a whole section where we missed upgrade material for our heels. Not just, like, upgrade material for my weapons, my armor, for, for my heels. There's only one way to upgrade your healing, you know, and missing that kind of upgrade material is huge, but... The only the only way we got it was because I was just goofing off, like, oh, I'm gonna look around with my lamp, and I found a pathway that wasn't shown in uh, Axiom. I I felt very overwhelmed playing this game, and it sucks because I was really really looking forward to this, and I think that if they make a sequel. And they are able to polish it better, maybe slow down on throwing so much shit at the player right at the very get-go. It would be a good game, because they have the art style nailed. And the combat wasn't bad. I felt like the combat was pretty pretty good. Um, it's, it's mainly when I try to play co-op that I think the combat tanks because of the hit detection just being non-existent for your partner um but yeah man i i really wish that this game had been polished more if i'm being honest yeah we've talked about it there's typically two categories of souls likes there's souls likes that clearly understand the essence of FromSoft, and there's souls likes that don't lies of p is in the positive category the star wars jedi games are in the positive category neo the neo games are in a big positive category um I have not played Blasphemous 2 or Mortal Shell, but I know that those are both considered to be great, great Souls-likes. The unfortunate thing is this kind of falls into the same vein as the first Lords of the Fallen. It falls into the same vein as Thymesia. Uh, it falls into the same vein as Wo Long for me. Wo Long, I think, re reviewed solid as a whole, but I was not a huge fan of it, specifically because, for some reason, the dodge was also the parry. And unfortunately, Lords, Lords of the Fallen 2023 kind of falls into that same category and it sucks because there are things there where you're like, okay, there's a pulse here. There's something here. There's a skeleton of them understanding FromSoft here. But they don't quite have the meat. They don't quite have everything else that you need in order for the game to be successful. Lies of P told an incredible story, had great gameplay, great combat. And when it was balanced properly with the patch, it was even better. It was awesome. And I think that the problem with Lords of the Fallen is there's so much that's rough that you almost lose sight of the good simply because simply because that negative is always there. We said in the Assassin's Creed Mirage episode, if you've listened to that, we said that the game looks great, but the problem is it makes the facial animations or lack thereof a big distraction. Everything in this game that doesn't work takes away from everything that does. And... It sucks because for every one thing it does great, there seemingly is always two things that it doesn't do great. I really wish that this game was better, and I'm hopeful that they will take criticism, the devs will take criticism, and if they have another shot to make a sequel, and I hope they do, they're able to make it better. I will say, if they get a sequel wrong, Lords of the Fallen needs to just be retired, and they need to move on to something else. Because we didn't even talk about the story, Kyle. Uh, the story, it's pretty cryptic. It's pretty bare bones. And I, I was not the biggest fan of what we did learn while we played. I I very much thought that the story was just kind of, eh. Like, again, Lies of P. Lies of P is the best Souls-like ever. 
We said that before this game was released, and we were told that we shouldn't say that because Lords of the Fallen was right around the corner. But we can say it now, even though we already said it. Lies of P is the best Souls-like. Lords of the Fallen did not live up to it. And I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, if this game had maybe been in the oven for a little bit longer and it didn't come out so close to Lies of P... It could have been a very good game. So that will wrap up this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us as well on Facebook at Side Mission Podcast. For Kyle Lynch, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thanks for listening.